in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast. Today, we have Hans Kim. Hey, thanks for having us over. Ooh, insert yeah. applause music. Yeah, glad to finally be on the show. I think you talked about the Moon Tea Podcast for a bit and invited me, but we just couldn't get it to work. But we finally got the time and we finally, Jonathan was in town, so we were finally able to meet up and do it. Let's go. Yeah, so Hans and I have been friends since we were children. Literally, what, five years old? Like, probably less. We grew up pretty much at our church yeah, together. We went to the same elementary school. For a little bit. Yeah, I left in the middle of first grade. First grade, first, yeah. Somewhere then, around there. Um, yeah, and we, like Hans has been working out at Eugene's, which is how I saw him again, and we reconnected again but yeah welcome welcome to the show yeah thanks for having me should i introduce a little bit of who i am and yeah okay hi i'm han yeah one of jonathan's childhood friends but i'm also an occupational therapist and i feel like that in itself needs to be explained because every time i have to say it people have this assumption it's like oh are you helping people get jobs because you're an occupational therapist and no, unfortunately, that is not what I do. But what I do is help people get back into what occupies your time. So a lot of that can be what we call activities of daily living, ADLs. And so things such as like putting your shirt on, going to the bathroom, just these everyday activities that are, we might not really consider is wildly important for us. We, it's so important to take care of ourselves. And, and all of these things, brushing our teeth, they occupy a good portion of our time, sleep, things like that. So just helping our patients get back into their routines and into their lifestyles and also just making it more pertinent, more meaningful for them. Whatever is meaningful for them, whatever takes up their time, that's what we want to know. And that's what we want to help them to return back to if they've had some kind of medical condition or something's just happened to them. That's just the purpose of what OT does is just to help them return to what is meaningful for them. Wow, yeah, I love that. Thank you. But yeah, that's pretty much what I do. Other descriptors, I go to church. I enjoy doing that. I saw Jonathan this past Sunday and it was good to see him. Great to have his presence there. But uh, yeah, just now I'm just excited to see where we jump off from this. All right. Where are we going? Let's see. I'm... I feel like he should ask questions because he has just met Hans for the first yeah? time. Okay, I yes, got freebies yeah, on questions. Yeah. Okay. You, oh, yeah. yeah, let him run. What got you into occupational therapy? Let's go yeah. right away. So initially, I wanted to be a teacher growing up because I just thought it was like really cool to be like, oh, I'm helping a human being learn how to critically think or just approach life, learn. My gosh, I know I have knowledge now. And then I actually did it and I realized just how tiring it can be. And so just mad respects to all the teachers out there. And also just like, I'm getting paid this much to teach 35 kids versus one teacher. Like that just is a recipe for disaster for me. So I was at UCLA, University of California, Los Angeles, and uh, did an internship at one of the nearby school districts. And I was an elementary intern, but it was just so hard because even if I like was only teaching four kids, like you can just see the gross disparity of just education in like kindergarten. It's not even like high school, but just starting out, you can see like some kids just 
picked up things quicker, other kids lagged behind. And just wondering how do you equalize the playing field already when there's such like these disparities are already growing. And so it was just hard because it's like if you're a teacher, like of course you want to talk to and teach all the students, but you can't neglect the whole class for like just a few for them to catch up. So it's already hard to do that. And so it was just hard for myself to be like, how do I do that without like having smaller class sizes or just like maybe individualized tutoring or something like that. So it was just like hard to be a teacher with that kind of mindset. And one of my friends who is also an occupational therapist got into the University of Southern California, USC's OT program. And she was teaching, telling me like, oh, I volunteered at a school district and you should try it out. And so I'm like, oh, okay, what else can I do? So I went and I just saw that it was super awesome that I was helping kids gain like lifelong skills. So like a kid who doesn't know how to write, like handwriting, like I was teaching them how to form proper hand grips or like how to write their own name. And for me, that was like awesome because it's like, yes, I'm still teaching them. And this is something that they're going to use for the rest of their life. And so for me, that was like amazing. And then also like I volunteered at a hand therapy clinic and just to help them recover back their like arthritis hands or just being with people. I think, I think I have a passion and a joy of just talking with people. And that in itself was like, it was cool. Cause it was, you're just mingling. You're just doing like these exercises or like doing like therapy with them. And they're, they're like, oh yeah, my salon, I'm doing this. And you're like, oh, that's neat. And you just foster this relationship. And so I think that was really interesting and really cool to do. So that kind of got me into the door for OT. And my second sister is actually a physical therapist. And I think it was maybe like this pride issue of, I don't want to do what my sister's doing. Like I'm on my, I'm an own independent man and need no sister. And, and so I was like, I'm going to stick with OT just because I felt like it was more pertinent to what people want. And so I think that was like a huge motivation for me is, wow, let me help people on what they want to get better at and, or want to do. And so that's like the appealing attraction for me with occupational therapy. Wow. I love it. And wait, so is there a specific age demographic you work with directly on average or? Yeah. So there's a lot of fields in occupational therapy. There's school districts where the purpose of OT is to help them access the school curriculum. And so it's a lot of like accommodations. If it's too hard for the student to see the board, sit them closer, or like if it's hard for them to write their name, like even using a computer, that could be something. Or if they're weak generally with like their strengths, like doing one-on-one sessions to help them participate maybe in PE, things like that. And then there's what I'm working at is at the hospital. And it's just, and even with that, there's, there's an acute side and there's like an acute rehab side. And the acute side is like patients straight out. Maybe they had a fall, they had surgery, they're fresh out. And I'm like, okay, Hey, it's the first day. Let's get up. And I want to see how strong you are and what are some goals we can create to help you go back home. Or if you need more therapy, like what are some recommendations? What are some equipment that I can order for you to help you regain some functional living? And then the acute rehab is more of this intensive three hours a day, not all at once, but okay, you like really, if you're living alone or if like you really need more therapy, like this is where we would recommend. And it's more centered on like longer therapy sessions to help them get stronger, get better, basically. And I initially started in the acute rehab side as a student and then basically just wanting to diversify my skills, I wanted to learn more of the acute. And so I, eventually I became what we call a float, where you're floating from one unit to another. And then basically I 
somehow transitioned to just being a full-time acute therapist. And so a majority of my day is I would go into my unit, my cardiac telemetry unit, a lot of hearts, a lot of <laughs> heart attacks. Yeah. And just have them get better and to give my recommendations. Sometimes you might get patients who are like, I'm fine. And they're like 99 years old. And you're like, goodness gracious. And sometimes you have like 58 year olds who are like, oh my gosh, you have every known illness in the world. And how are you alive right now? And it's challenging and it's interesting because it's like, you really don't know what you're going to get. But yeah, I think there's, there's that field. And then there's also different kinds of like pediatric outpatients, like you going to these clinics, helping kids maybe with feeding, or maybe if they like are weaker, yeah, going to like an indoor gym, something like that. And then there's even psychiatric kind of like community mental health kind of OT populations as well. So there's really a large diversity with occupational therapy, which is really nice. But it's also, I think all in the end, they all summarize to what can we do to help our patients return and do something that they want to do. So like with myself, it's you want to go home. All right, here's the steps that I need to see for you to go home. If you're falling all over the place, I'm not going to send you home. That's not responsible. And it's not safe and you're probably going to come back the next day and I have to see you again. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just, uh, yeah, what do the patients want? And I feel like I'm rambling too much at this point. <laughs> so no. I'm speaking back to you. This that's is the Ramble podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is now my podcast. <laughs> that's the, yeah, actually though, you're on it. You're the guest and the time's yours, man. This is actually so cool. I didn't know much about occupational therapy, to be honest. And like, really, it's making a lot of sense. I'm curious what kind of people tend to thrive in OT? Yeah. You could talk about that. Sure. I think it's a lot of mindset. If you have a very motivated patient and who really understand like, oh, like therapy is so important. I think those people do so much better in my population because it's that like self-efficacy and that drive to be like, I want to go home. I want to become better. I want to be independent. And then you have some patients who are like, you know what? I'm old. I'm going to keel over. Like I just give up. And they're like, I don't want to get out of bed today. And it's, this is your third day in a row that you have not gotten out of bed and you have severely got weaker. And so like, I think people who just, I guess the therapist to do everything for them and, or maybe are just like, they've already given up and feel like, ah, it's, I fell. And now like, my leg doesn't work anymore. So it's over and I'm probably going to die in this <laughs> hospital. Then it's, oh, you're already putting yourself in the hole, both figuratively and physically <laughs> as dark as that is. Um, yeah. yeah. I want to do a topic change because I want to get to this other podcast. So can you, <laughs> sure. can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah. I have a little side project. I'm, I have a podcast called Sharing is Caring and Jonathan was graciously on it earlier today, sharing his experiences. And so shout outs to Jonathan. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And so if you guys are interested, I guess your l listeners can also have a way to listen to my podcast <laughs> uh, or vice versa, a collaboration of some sorts. Check um, it in the yeah. show notes below. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how you got started with it? Like, why did you like feel like a podcast was necessary? Or uh, I mean, as all things, like it's definitely, so I had just broken up with somebody and I was just in this deep kind of contemplation of who am I? And the image that comes into my head is like a Zoolander, right? He's looking in the puddle and he goes, who are you? And that was like kind of me in that period. And I'm just like, what do I want in life? And 
I'm still going through this process of like what I really want and just growing as an individual. But I realized that one of the things I do like to do is trying to be intentional with people. And a lot of times I try to give myself excuses of, oh, I'm too awkward or my voice sucks and I don't know what to say, or I feel like I don't have anything insightful to share. But I felt like God (laughs) um, was really convicting me and being like, hey, look, at your church specifically, you feel that it's hard for people to get to know each other, especially like on a Sunday, a lot of people just come in, just do their thing and then just leave. And it's like, maybe years down the line, you're like, oh, shoot, there was a guy named Jonathan that came over. <laughs> who, who was that guy? And had this heart that like, I feel like people are maybe falling through the cracks. And for me, I also help out with a lot of physical labor and just setting up just kind of audio equipment. So for myself, I have a hard time getting to know people because I have to pack everything away before we get kicked out of our quote unquote church or community center. So it was more for myself, like I want to get to know people. And I felt like a podcast would be a great way to kind of go beyond just like small talk of, hey, how was your Monday? Okay, that's pretty cool. It was like a more intentional way to get to know people. And so I decided to just go for it decided to buy all this crazy equipment just because I, I felt like it was worth the investment. I feel like I'm not aiming to be like the next, what's that guy's name? Joe, the wrestler, MMA Rogan. guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not, nothing crazy like that. But if it's in some way like helps people who listen, whether it's your listeners, any listeners, just people coming across this podcast, for them to learn and to grow and to be healed, I think that's the point. That's the mission. And yeah, that was a bit of the reason why I decided to make a podcast. If anyone is wondering why my voice sounds so silky smooth, it's because we're borrowing Hans's setup. Shout outs to Rode Mics. We're not sponsored by them and NordVPN. I'm just joking, not NordVPN. But <laughs> one day, hopefully, we'll definitely Squarespace. 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 Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> And Shadow Raid Legends. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yes. But I will say similar for us, a podcast is like, it's such a cool excuse to be like, like you meet someone random, you're like, hey, you're really cool. Do you want to talk to us for an hour? And yeah. Then- and I think what's so cool is that like, initially people are so hesitant to do it. Like I have so many people who are like, oh, oh, my voice sounds weird or like, something they try to say something and after they do it they're like wow that was actually really cool and thank you for doing that and I'm like yeah it was pretty cool (laughs) or I even have that feeling sometimes where it's just like oh man it's hard to bust all this out I have to go edit it later but when you do it and when you get to actually have that conversation you're like oh wow yeah I'm glad I did do this because I got to know this person so much better What are you going to do when you run out of people to interview at your church? I have different ideas. Like sometimes I might be thinking of maybe it's so important to talk about topics. Maybe that's not commonly talked about in the church. And maybe using that as a way to people, listeners who might have been hurt in the past. Yeah, just talk about some things about that. Other things is like, it's okay to repeat guests. And because I've learned that it's just so hard to get to know people within a 45 an hour kind of span. And so like my mission with my podcast is that, yeah, like people are always constantly growing. People are always constantly just evolving. And I think like maybe two years down the line, we listen back to this podcast and I'm like, wow, look how different we were as people. And so I think that's the great thing is that we can do that. We can just be like, all right, like we have Hans again. It's been three years. Like what has changed? How have you grown? 
Ooh. All right, Hugh, ask a question. <laughs> <laughs> What's been some I like I'm curious on the topics that you've been talking about with regards to your podcast. What is one of your favorite types of conversations you've had and or topics that were discussed? I think it's more of the conversations of like how people are. I think it's so fascinating that we are so uniquely it's yeah because like on Sundays you have maybe even a one-dimensional idea of how people are and you're just like oh at face value you're like oh this is how this person is but after doing this podcast you just see so much of a deeper nuance and so much of a deeper person and you're like wow I did not know this person was like so sensitive or so emotional and you can only really see that when you have this kind of conversation and so Shout outs to people who are able to be more vulnerable and share what they've been going through. But also just, I think it just fosters that kind of genuinity or like authenticness of, oh yeah, like this is what I went through and I became this person through that. And yeah, I think it was just some topics I talk about is I do three big questions and basically it's, yeah, how do you, how do you involve a church? Basically is the first one. Second one is who are you? And what makes you take, we were talking about Myers-Briggs, right? Okay. Like we don't, we can't categorize people as like 16 personality types, but I think it's still interesting to be like, oh, like you are this ENFP. So somewhat like, are you somewhat this kind of personality? Like extroverted needs to have flexibility with his planning and things like that. Um, and then also just the last one is what is God saying to you? So making it specific and personable right what and then or what is something that you're growing or yeah what is the next life stage for you basically what are, what like how are you growing is the last question and so i just think those are all just like solid questions just to ask people i love i love that we're discussing a podcast on a podcast <laughs> podception <laughs> over here and then next week we're going to discuss this episode podcast <laughs> how meta is that so hans what makes you tick what is my personality or what irritates uh, me the second question mm -hmm. that you mentioned i just yeah. wanted to throw it oh right yeah i'm still learning right it's not like all right this is set in stone but as i was saying i think i do have this heart of caring for people i think that's what's even attracted me to the therapist gig but yeah i think it's just still like you hear things about yourself that sometimes it's just so hard for you to believe for yourself like i can say q jonathan you guys are the greatest podcast ever like greatest podcast hosts ever and sometimes you're just like i don't believe that to be true like you could say that as many times as you want but i don't know and so there's some truths that like i hear people say about myself that i'm like internalizing but i'm like i don't know if that's true so it's like this process of, is it really true? Is this really who I am? Or is it just what people are defining me as? But in a narrow sense, I'll share my Myers-Briggs of I'm an ISFP. Um, and I have this Enneagram type nine personality of avoiding conflict and things like that. But but still the deeper sense of I want to care for people. I want to, I want to be passionate about what I do and be good at what I do. But yeah, I just also feel that there's still parts that are being developed and still are being formed. It's, ooh, how's it gonna shape? How, what's gonna happen? It's exciting. Yeah, so that's all I can say for now. <laughs> that's amazing. I love that. And then I feel like this is going to be a subtle, if not a very non-subtle way to get a feeling for your podcast, for anyone listening, for sharing is caring. So for the first question you usually ask guests, 
I'm guessing you're pretty public about your own position of like, why do you go to church? It, oh, for me, why do I share why I go to church? Actually, I don't just because I've been interviewing so far has just been going to my church. So it's, it actually hasn't come up, but I plan to do some kind of segment of, yeah, how I came to the church. Because I think like, I just want to allot so much time for them, have that space be for them. So I could share like for every person I talk to, hey, this is how I came to the church, but that would be grossly over like the 45 minutes. And it would just be like, okay, Hans, you already, you're repeating yourself. But I do plan of sharing like how I came to church and kind of the journey that I went through as well. But I, I really want like the people who I'm interviewing, like this is their time. This is their ability to share. And so I really don't do <laughs> why I came personally. I love that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think just on a, the spiritual side of things as a group of people who are spiritual in that sense, like what is it about faith that you love? Yeah, I think for one thing, there's this sense of community when people agree on the same faith principles, it draws people closer together. And so and when done right, obviously, there's obviously unhealthy ways this can happen where people can feel excluded if you're quote unquote, not religious enough, if you're not quote unquote, good enough. So that that's not what I'm aiming for. But I think when done right, when people are accepted for who they are. And it's this authentic, come as you are, it's okay who you are. And there's no judgment, right? Like in the end, we are all sinners and we all need God in this kind of idea. And and having that commonality and that, oh yeah, like we're brothers and sisters because of that is really nice to fall back on to because it's, yeah, like originally I wouldn't have any affiliation with you unless it was through my faith. And that in itself is really good. I think also the idea that faith does give me this idea of identity and worth because a lot of times we might try to default on career or just like external factors to give us worth. But when you already find out like, oh, this God like cares about me so much, like I don't do nothing. <laughs> and yet like here I am still loved by him. I just feel this great immense joy that comes from that because it wasn't like I did anything to deserve that but yet it just he gives it freely and so just that kind of truth for me helps me a lot and has gotten me through a lot of tough times because I, life is hard and I think just being able to share the struggles but also knowing that even in my darkest times like I have something to turn to and to lean on isn't in incredibly supportive and helpful for me yeah thanks for sharing yeah yeah thank you so much that was awesome um random question but i'm curious if let's say like 20 year old hans so hans is 30 and a half <laughs> and then i'm curious if 20 like what 20 year old hans would think of 30 year old hans are you where you thought you might have been like yeah yeah, I'm trying to remember where I was at twenty year, when I was 20 years old. I would still have been in college, but I think he would have been as expected. Of, oh, yeah, like you should at the age of 30, you have a career. Little surprise on the singleness, but uh, it do be like that. But I think for the most part, I think he would be ex like, I, yeah, I expected you to be at this level, this kind of social totem pole 
to say. But I think what might be surprising maybe is just how different we might view life, right? Because before, when I was 20, very driven of I need to, I feel like I need to make something of myself and I need to live up to my parents' expectations. I need X, Y, and Z to fulfill my life. And it wasn't until recently where a lot of those things are being undone and it's, oh, shoot, like, no, these things are just maybe secondary things in my life. And so I think he would probably be like a little shook about, oh, isn't that what drives us? Isn't that what like motivates us to, to work hard? And it's like, yes and no. Like you got to just know the reasons why you're doing these things and to know, hey, like even if you do accomplish all these things, like I'm at that point where you're like, you think you thought we have it made, like we have actual income, disposable income, and you have so much freedom now to do whatever you want. Like, I would think you would be happier, but I would tell my 20 self, yeah, it's like, it's not what you thought you would want. It's something that you thought you wanted because everyone around you was telling you like, yeah, this is where life should be. White picket fence, American dream, but it's really not. And so I think shows just how much wiser <laughs> I've gotten, but uh, yeah, sorry, I'm just rambling again. Now. I did want to swip, flip the script on you guys. I got a Google form from Jonathan saying, what are some topics I was interested in sharing about in this podcast? And I wrote down specifically career and burnout. And so I'm hoping that I could share a little bit about that in, in this podcast, because as a healthcare professional, I think a lot of prof healthcare professionals are facing this kind of epidemic <laughs> in the pandemic. Yeah, if you guys are okay with that. Nope. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Cancel it. Cancel culture. <laughs> yeah. Dude, let's um, go. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. I think something coming out of occupational therapy school and grad school is that I had a very, I guess, naive mindset. I said that what was so appealing about occupational therapy is this idea of really helping people get back into what they want and what occupies their time. But I don't think school has really taught me to be like, hey, what if the person just wants to die? <laughs> mm. and, and if they want to, or like, what if they're deconditioning and getting weaker so much that they can't go back to what they want to do? Like they need a caregiver, a 24-hour caregiver. And so I think the hospital has just opened my eyes to just how life really is. There's just so many conditions out there that, makes my job so much harder, like dementia. Like if you have severe full blown out dementia, like what actual training can I give to you that won't just disappear in the next 20 minutes? And I think just really wrestling with that is, is so hard because you come into the profession just so eager to help people. And then just being at a stage where like you question, is anything that I'm doing really helping people? Is anything that I'm doing really meaningful for people? And coming ironically to this part of is my career meaningful to me? As much as that keyword meaningfulness was for my profession, looking inward and being like, is this meaningful to me? And I was being honest with Jonathan, there's times where I consider a, a career change. And it's just because it's so hard sometimes to come into work and think, am I making a difference in this person's life? And maybe there's like, unrealistic expectations of I'm coming here, I'm touching people and then people are getting healed left and right. A part of me actually did believe like what I, like 
I'm hoping that what I do will help people be fully independent again. And realistically, like there are just some days you take a bunch of L's, people go to nursing facilities, they just never get back out and they just get stuck in bed and questioning just how good of a therapist you are based on the results you get. And really trying to tell yourself that you're not a bad therapist just because a patient you had died. I had a patient that I was working with at the hospital and um, just felt like it was just another session. Took him to the bathroom because <laughs> he needed to use the bathroom. And basically what happened is what we call a vasovagal response where someone's heart or blood pressure drops so much, probably because they were straining and they ended up passing out. But basically what happened is this guy passed out on the toilet, became unconscious. I called for what we call a rapid response in the hospital. Nurses are flooding in. The rest became a blur. And then I later find out that he died on the way going to the intensive care unit and really just wondering, like, I came into this profession to really help people. And here I am, possibly, I possibly killed this guy by, by doing therapy with him. And that really got me questioning of, am I really helping people? And am I really making a difference? And I think a lot of healthcare professionals, whether it's nursing, doctors, et cetera, this pandemic's been hard for, on a lot of us because it just feel like COVID is just taken so much. It's like, whether it's like family members or just even humanity, of you're just like, oh, you go in completely gowned up with three masks on and like eye shields and things like that. And you just see people like struggling to breathe. And it's so difficult to feel like you're making an impact and like you almost feel powerless to just yeah oh what is what am I gonna do that oh yeah like my lungs are clear now and I get to go home right now it's so much better but when it was really bad in the thick of it like in the in like December 2020 my hospital was pretty much like 80 to 90 percent COVID and as much as joking around of we should open the gift shop to have more patients to use the space that was actually almost a reality for our hospital of using the gift shop oh, to to house more patients. And so it, it was just really hard. And so right now the numbers are going up, but it's definitely not as like hard or bad as it was in the past. But yeah, I think there's just been a lot of like reality checks of healthcare isn't just, all right, here you go, have some meds and we'll be home in the weekend. It's sometimes you have patients who code and die. Sometimes you have patients who do get better and awesome. That's fantastic. But it could be challenging. <laughs> it could be hard. I can't even imagine being on the job and then yeah. someone, I, I'm sure you've internalized that it's not your fault, but like, that, yeah, that would be really hard for me too. If, if yeah. it was just like, oh, this man was like under my care. And then that was like, his, what happened? His last, yeah. Like his last, he pooped himself to death. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, that would be really rough for me too. Yeah. I mean, I that's why there's so many kind of strategies and like strategies to prevent like burnout, like compartmentalizing, just setting aside like that was a separate incident. It's not this whole like encompassing idea. Of, yeah, that's who I am as a therapist. And just, it almost sounds like jaded to be like, yeah, like you have to store it away for later and then you'll deal with it later. But you almost have to do that. We were like, yeah, that happened. And it's not, I'm ignoring it, but I'll address it later because, you know, I still have to, I have to still do work. And then self-care, I think self-care is so important to avoid burnout and just to, and as much as people say that, I, there is a truth of it. You need to sleep well, you need to 
partake in what interests you, your hobbies. And for me, like working out with Jonathan and working out in general has been one of those outlets, but I think it's so important to, to do that. And for a time, it was hard to do that, especially in the pandemic, because it's like, where do I go? I'm at home and I have to quarantine myself from my parents. They still live with my parents. Yeah, just it was hard to go to work while everyone was remote and then come home and hold myself up again. And it was like, it really felt like just you were just isolated, like by yourself. And that's why like it was so important for mental health and in during those COVID times and even even during these times too. But yeah, I think it's so important just to set aside and to say these things happen. Um, and it's just something that healthcare professionals just have to deal with. Obviously, like you're not going to see that many deaths at a school district versus like a hospital, but it's definitely happened at the hospital. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing. Yeah. yeah. You hear a lot about healthcare workers and it's just, just the nature of it. Like we had a, we have a, we had a doctor on the podcast. He's like a Canadian anesthesiologist, but he was just like, I think we should, I think we sh- if people want to die, like we should let them. And I, was, yeah, yeah. I, I almost agree with that. Now that I've actually been in the field, like there's, you see so much suffering and there's these things called hospice and palliative care. And that's like the easing of if someone's conditionally not doing too well, they'll ease them into hospice. And that's like making sure that they're living comfortably at the end of their life, which I really appreciate because it sucks to just suffer. And that's the thing too, right? There's sometimes I get a little upset because like the son or the daughter wants their parent who's 99 years old to keep living, but they're like clearly like suffering. And it's just, is it just because you want them alive for yourself or do you want your parent just to go quietly and just let them off like that? And so it's just, do you, or do you really want like them to go through another surgery to just keep them alive a little bit longer? Yeah. So it's just hard to be like, why prolong that kind of suffering? And that concludes the podcast. <laughs> and in this podcast. Uh, yeah. yeah. A lot of heavy topics. Yeah. And Sorry to be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> you good. Um, and yeah, we ask our guests, but do you have parting thoughts? So that could be words of wisdom or a monologue about whatever. Yeah. Do you have any parting thoughts for our, let's say 14 to 15 listeners? <laughs> Listen up all 14, 15 listeners. Yeah. I think just in the sense of like, what I'm saying already of making sure that you guys are taking care of yourself, like whether it's emotionally, physically, even spiritually, it's just, you really have to check yourself before you wreck yourself kind of idea. And so I think it's okay to not be okay at times and to be honest about that and the need of maybe I need to go see a therapist because it's really hard to just work sometimes. That could be something that you need to do. Or maybe it's just, maybe I need to treat myself to some bomb food because I need to treat myself. I took a bunch of L's this week, like treating yourself and respecting yourself in that kind of way, I think is really important. But yeah, just gauging yourself and just seeing like, how am I doing? And being honest, because maybe we might not be totally truthful and be like, I could keep working like this for another few months. And then the burnout really happens and you're like dreading every day at work or just being like, look, I need to take a sabbatical and it's okay if I miss work and like life will go on. And 
am I doing what I want to do and enjoying life? And yeah, so that's my two cents, I guess. You heard it here first. <laughs> I love it. And then one of the wrapping up ones is, what are some shout outs to any institutions and or your own handles and or podcasts or things you'd like to wrap up? Feel free. I would shout out to my hospital, but I don't want to <laughs> oh, you're good. No, expose, yeah. expose my, <laughs> and they're like, oh, I found you now. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of my hospital coworkers definitely make work more enjoyable. That's for sure. But shout outs to outlets like this, like whether it's my podcast, Sharing is Caring, or even Moon Tea Podcast. Or just even friends, Jonathan, yourself, Q, or other fellow mutual friends. Community, I'm just going to be general and just say people who care and love for you, family, friends, shout outs to them because it's just so important to surround yourself in that kind of way. I don't think we're meant to be isolated. And uh, yeah, so just shout outs to everybody who cares about us. Hans, you're incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much for opening up honestly like there's some i feel like hopefully we'll have you on again in the future and we could talk more in detail and more in depth about even more career advancement burnout work-life balance positive tools that we could use or listeners could use to improve their adl activities of daily living something i just learned today that was awesome yeah i really appreciate you coming on to the moon tea podcast this is a podcast where we talk about craft, community, building meaningful careers. Tune in next time. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Thanks for having me. Peace. Having.